0: Welcome to the Carbon mini-series within the Exploring Opportunities podcast, brought to you as part of the Future Farming Resilience support delivered by NIAB, AKC and Savills working in partnership. My name's Elizabeth Stockdale, head of the farming systems team in NIAB. Today, we're going to explore monitoring carbon performance with my guest, Becky Wilson. Hello, Becky. Hi, uh, nice to be with you. So we've talked previously on one of these podcasts about the background to carbon on farm and so today we're going to focus a bit more on actually monitoring performance. So I'm going to start by asking you to tell me a bit about the Farm Carbon Toolkit and how it began and why it began.
1: Although carbon seems to be something that is very much in the forefront of, of what's going on in attention at the moment, at Farm Carbon Toolkit we've been wittering on about carbon for 2009 and it was started by two farmers in the sort of aftermath of the new policies and the Climate Change Act that the UK government had put out which was very much shining a bit of a spotlight in terms of what was going on in terms of uh, emissions of greenhouse gases from different sectors and Farm Carbon Toolkit was really started because it was felt that there was lots of information, and a lot of attention on why agriculture should do something about reducing its greenhouse gas emissions. But for farmers who were interested, it, we felt there was nothing really there that said, OK, I'm a farmer, I want to do something. What can I do? And how do I actually measure the impact of that? And that's very much where Farm Carbon Toolkit was born, really with the aim to try and provide those sort of practical tools and resources for farmers around reducing greenhouse gas emissions, improving energy resilience, improving soil health, and what that does in terms of helping with your business resilience. So the sort of two main resources that we have um, at the organisation are a carbon calculator, uh, which allows you to measure what's going on and quantify where on your farm different gases are coming from in terms of both emissions and then also what you might be able to be doing in terms of sequestration and puts a number on it. But then it also has a toolkit which allows you to say, well, so what? Is that good? Is that bad? And actually break down sort of practical steps that you can do in order to both reduce emissions and improve sequestration. So, very much a measurement, but also then actually trying to sort of pull together bits of information in a bit of a hub to try and look at what are those practices that we can do and what impact are they going to have, both in terms of emissions, but also on our farm performance and resilience and, and other bits and pieces like that.
0: So that's the background you're going to be talking to us from, but I'm aware you're very aware of all the other people who are operating in the same space as you and with slightly different focuses. So if you don't mind, can you just tell us a bit about the other people who are offering sort of not the same, but similar tools or operating in that same space as you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as this has evolved, it is becoming a more more sort of crowded marketplace. But fundamentally, and I suppose there's, there's often a misconception that there are 755 carbon calculators out there and there are so many different ones in reality we have sort of two different types of carbon calculator we have the ones which are freely available to all farmers to access and and there are only actually four of those so Mm -hmm. there's us there's AgriCalc, which has been developed by SIUC up in Scotland. There's Cool Farm Tool, which was developed by the University of Aberdeen. And then there is Trinity or, or Sandy. Um, and those are four of the ones that if you're any sort of farming system, you can access uh, and you can start to put your data in. There's then a sort of second camp of carbon calculators, which are only have sort of been developed by different supply chains. And unless you're in that bespoke supply chain you can't actually access those calculators and so that might be things that dairy farmers use where actually their milk processor has developed a tool to be able to understand and quantify the emissions intensity associated per litre of milk it might be if you're a poultry farmer if you're producing eggs you use one called egg base which is again if you don't have chickens then actually why would you want to look at that one so uh, there are sort of specific ones that have been designed to do specific things within a supply chain but outside of that there are these four that are available that all farmers can access. Um, there are a little bit little bit of variation between them in terms of some of the mechanisms and assumptions, but that's the sort of the offers on the table at the moment.
0: Cool. And we'll come back to a bit of that, I think, later on. So our focus today is, is on a farm who's begun to take actions to reduce greenhouse gases, but given that the greenhouse gases themselves are almost impossible for any sensible farmer to manage, how do they actually know if they're making a difference or not? And perhaps more importantly, how on earth do they show that they're making a difference to customers? So there's loads of terminology in this space. And I know we did this the last time, but it, can you just take us through again, even if you end up repeating yourself from, from a, if people have just done a run of podcasts, they might go, oh, she told us that the last time, but it's a long time since we like recorded the last one. So what, what's the key terminology we need to have in our heads? If we're talking about monitoring and sharing evidence about a farm carbon footprint? And I guess that might be the first place to go. What is a farm carbon footprint?
1: So so let's start by by defining a a farm carbon footprint. So a, a carbon footprint is basically a snapshot in time around A way to measure what's going on in terms of greenhouse gases which are being emitted from the farm and then as I say it should subtract then from that what's going on in terms of carbon sequestration and remembering that although a lot of the language is carbon when we talk about greenhouse gas emissions we actually have those three gases so carbon dioxide methane and nitrous oxide and then in terms of sequestration remembering that actually we're talking about that additional carbon that is pulled out of the atmosphere and held on our farm as a result of what we're doing from a management practice so the carbon footprint is actually that mechanism that we use to quantify all of those different bits and the end point of that is our carbon balance and that carbon balance is literally just a subtraction sum emissions takeaway sequestration which gives you that carbon balance now that carbon balance is expressed or the metrics that are used is tons of carbon dioxide equivalent so or co2e And as i said that e is really important because we produce the majority of our gases that come from nitrous oxide and methane but because we're the sort of odd sector that does that most other sectors are just dealing with carbon dioxide we have to convert those non-carbon dioxide gases into their carbon dioxide equivalent and the way that we use that is we use something called a global warming potential which looks at the potency of these gases to cause global temperature rise over a given period of time and without getting too geeky and technical at the moment we're looking at that over a hundred years so it's called GWP 100. Now other terminology when we start to think about carbon footprints is that actually the the mechanism by which we complete a carbon footprint is that we use a carbon calculator and what a carbon calculator does is it requires two specific bits of information for each input on the farm, both the amount that you are using. So that is the bit that you put in as the user. So if we took an example of trying to calculate the carbon footprint of a litre of of your diesel usage, you would put in a number of litres of diesel that you would use over that period. The calculator would then multiply that by the emissions factor. And that emissions factor comes from a database that is created by a variety of different research institutes, which basically look at the amount of greenhouse gas that is emitted per litre of diesel and quantifies that. So what's going on in the back of the carbon calculators is it's taking the amount of whatever you've been using, so the number of litres, it's then multiplying that by the emissions factor and then coming up with a carbon footprint for example on that one on a non-farm diesel usage and then we do that over and over again and as we start to move into some of the biological emissions obviously it's not as simple as just diesel usage we're starting to put in some more assumptions in there we add all those together and that's our starting point
0: in terms of the carbon balance. Excellent and that database is that a agreed thing that everybody's using so that the same factor is used for diesel every time or and how much wobble is there in that bit
1: OK, so this again comes down to actually which type of emissions are we trying to calculate? So for diesel, the figure is very simple. And actually, it's 0.34 kilos per litre of diesel. in case. You really
0: are geeky. On. I know, I
1: know. Fun dinner party facts, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is the figure. and And for most other sectors, there is no there's no quibbling about it because everything they're dealing with is basically within a nice concrete box suddenly when we get into agriculture when we're dealing with these complex biological systems that are inherently related to the carbon cycle and the nitrogen cycle what goes into that emissions factor can be slightly more challenging and this is often one of the reasons why some of the calculators differ because what we want to do is we want to try and refine that emissions factor as much as possible to make sense to what we're doing on farm so if we take an example of a cow for example we probably know quite easily how many cows or sheep we have on the farm, you know, unless they're jumping over the hedge and disappearing. But we tend to know how many we've got. The bit that's slightly more complicated to deal with is then the emissions factor for that animal, because not only do we need to look at actually how old that animal is, the breed, what stage of growth it's in, what it's eating, what we're doing in terms of its housing, all of that goes into refining that emissions factor. So if we compare that to our simple version of diesel, Suddenly we have to put in a lot more information to be able to get a factor which is representative of what we're doing on the farm. And the degree to which those factors are then adjusted will depend on the calculator because for the calculator developers, it's this really fine balance between getting something which is actually reflective of what you've got on the farm, but also looking at the time that you need to put in, because actually, These things take time to put the data into. And if you have to answer 7000 questions, then you're going to throw the computer out the window and not come back to it. But also, at the same time, we need to remember that all of this is an evolving science. So coming back to your question about the database, yes, you know, we have a lot of things which are in the database and are sort of fairly standard and, and scientists agree with. But these figures continue to evolve and adapt and get better as we start to get results of different research projects that have that sort of allowed us to become more accurate in terms of being able to understand the impact of management practice and the impact of different inputs that are causing changes in these emissions factors. So diesel, we can't get that excited about emissions factors with diesel. But, you know, suddenly if we start to think about things around cropping or fertilisers or when we have to think about how things interact within the soil, suddenly we need a lot more information to have a factor that we're confident with.
0: Okay. So I've invited you on farm, Becky, to come and and do carbon footprinting with me. What's the first thing? I mean, probably even before you get to see me, you're going to do with me and and talk about.
1: Okay. so the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to agree the sort of time period that we're going to try and collect the, the information for. Mm-hmm. So carbon calculators work on a 12 month time period. OK, and it's really important that we do that on something that is complete because it's much easier to sort of collect all that information on a, on a period that we've done already. So some people like to do it on a calendar year. Some people like to do it on a financial year because a lot of the information that we need to collect is the same information that you're probably giving to your accountant. So, again, sort of there are various different stages where you're probably already doing that data collection and we can just use that at the same time. But for arable farmers, they tend to quite like doing it on harvest year. So they go, you know, from from when the crop's planted to when it's harvested. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to define what that 12 month period that works best for you. We're then going to think about, well, actually, how are we going to collect the data that we need to put into the calculator? And there's some really simple stuff in terms of things like the farm area in terms of actually how that farm area is split up in terms of uh, grassland, in terms of cultivated ground and then in any any other bits in terms of woodlands and hedgerows and all those sorts of things. We're then going to start to look at um, actually how is that farm, how are you managing your farm and there are a variety of different sort of categories of information that we need to put into the calculator but some of them have a sort of Some of them have more of an impact in terms of on the greenhouse gases than others. So, for example, if we had an arable farm, for example, I really want to know, you know, how much fertiliser you've applied of different types of fertiliser. I'm going to get less worried about actually how many plastic fence posts you might have. You know, so there are things where it's worth being really accurate because those are the things which are causing the majority of the emissions. Mm -hmm. And there are other things which actually, if we've got a bit of a starting point, not you know that's absolutely fine and i think sometimes that can be a real challenge when farmers look at these sort of programs and they can think oh my goodness there's so much information you know i don't even know where to start but but prioritizing those categories which are going to be generating the majority of your emissions so so that's the fuels category so your diesel and your cultivation Mm -hmm. that's your cropping category so what are you actually growing and what's it doing obviously if you're a livestock farm your livestock your fertilizers and then making sure you take account of the good stuff so how much carbon you're storing in, hedges, stewardship areas, all those sorts of things, that will get you 90% of the way there. And I will then leave that farm a very happy person that we've got a good starting point.
0: So I think those are likely to be the same sorts of pieces of information that need to go into any system, whether I invite you or somebody else onto Absolutely. farm, aren't they? So they're the, the sorts of things that actually, if I'm just thinking about monitoring my carbon footprint, I should be already starting to think about having at least an idea of, of what they are. And I, as you say some of those will be in my accounts but just thinking about how I pull those out and even things like electric use I think can be sometimes quite difficult to find where is that bill and what have I done with it
1: and I think sometimes what happens is is, you know as because because really this is sort of the most strange and, and alien the first time you do it but once you've sort of been through that process once you then have a bit of an understanding of, of the sort of format that you might need that information in so for example it might be that exactly as you say you've recorded your energy use or you know fuel use and you've recorded it as a, as a pounds rather than as a litres or a kilowatt hours and it's just in case of you know not panicking if any if, if you don't have the right bits of information you know certainly you know with for us and with the other calculators there are people that are there to help and you know we'll provide that sort of uh you know support to be able to get the best thing that that works for you so yeah with all of these things don't worry if you haven't got exactly the right bits of information because as you start to understand how they work you can then make sure that when you come to doing this again you've got you know you can start to note down those things which are important
0: you talked about edges in terms of time getting that 12 month period right i think for some calculators it's going to matter where we literally draw the edge of the farm is it just the cultivated area are the woods in what, how how's it going to work I think you as a as farm carbon toolkit literally just go well if it's in your control it's inside here
1: yeah and this again is one of the other reasons why some of the carbon calculators differ in terms of whether you're looking at a, a whole farm approach Where basically you're taking account of everything that's going on as you just said within your control or whether you're looking at something that's happening down a specific enterprise and again some of the other calculators in terms of in their evolution that is very much where they have been designed to be used because if we look outside of agriculture uh, and to some of the supply chains that we as farmers supply into that's what they've needed in the past so they've needed to know those emissions intensity Um, and so we do have these slightly two different approaches the challenge as we move forward and and if we think about how this feeds into net zero ambitions and all those sorts of things is that if we're going to reach net zero we need to take account of the sequestration so for us as an individual farmer irrespective of where our produce uh, projects are going and those sort of things helping us and supporting us make better management decisions the starting point is looking at everything on the farm because Even if you're producing wheat and barley and sheep and something else, they will probably be bits where they are interrelated. So you might be using muck that's actually being, you know, so for you, it does all come together. We can then split that out in terms of the different things that are going off the farm. And so usually the the sort of the best way to start is to try and look at that at a whole farm level. And what we tend to find now is that all of the tools are now starting to bring that feature in where you can sort of start looking at your whole farm. And then start to split it out into enterprise or per tonne of output if you need to for different uh, for different supply chain requirements. Because if you look at it at a whole farm level, you can also take into account the good stuff, as well as looking at where you're generating those greenhouse gas emissions.
0: Cool. And I think you've probably given us the answer to this as we've gone along. But I'm just going to ask you the question directly, which is I've done my carbon footprint through two different systems and we've got two completely different answers, Becky. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yeah it's it's the number one source of frustration and what I would say is that even if you've got two different answers what you will find is that actually the hotspots or the categories that are generating the majority of emissions will be the same so it might be that one says that your footprint is you know 500 tons and one says it's 750 tons but they will both say that actually your you know fertilizer use or your diesel usage is a thing that you want to focus on. So you know it's a bit like changing labs with soil tests. You know, what we want to do is try it is have one and stick to it so that we can actually demonstrate progress over time. Um, so actually it doesn't really help anybody to to change calculators. Um, one of the other challenges we have with with the sort of consistency of calculators, you know, and, and I quite often get sort of you know comments by farmers saying, well we'll just have one, we'll just have one that everybody uses the problem is at the moment is that we have a variety of standards that those calculators need to adhere to so it's not even as if we've got one standard we've got sort of you know standards that supermarkets are using which is sort of past 2050 we've got greenhouse gas protocol standards which are slightly different we've got new standards coming in around science based targets initiatives so everybody has not aligned around one set of standards so so certainly what we're doing at farm carbon toolkit is that you know we are creating the ability that you can basically tick a box and and generate a report to a standard that you might need to do for a supply chain but coming back to what i was saying earlier is that fundamentally trying to look at everything that's going on at whole farm level is what will help you make make management decisions and will help you demonstrate the impact of what you're doing
0: okay so focus on not the number but the bits that make up the number the, the breakdowns and where the awesome. big things are yeah so that's about using this as a tool that helps us improve which is kind of why we're monitoring in the first place I'm guessing so based on your experience of working with farmers and you've worked with a lot what's your experience of how they act around measuring carbon footprints and that impacting what they do in practice?
1: Yeah I mean I think it's really interesting and when you do this for the first time with farms once we've got through the sort of the painful bit of getting the data into the calculator it can be a little bit sort of it, it's a good starting point but again if you haven't got anything to, to sort of compare it to it can almost be a little bit of a sort of meaningless number so you can say well your footprint is this and they say well I'm all right great we've done it so actually what we try and do is sort of say well you haven't just arrived here in like a magic bubble and you've not done anything before and all those sorts of things so Once your data's in, then the sort of the magic can really then start and you can create as many different versions of your calculator as you like and show change over time. So when you do it the first time, being able to sort of compare yourself to other farms has a little bit of use in terms of looking at where you are. And and we find that that's quite a good engagement tool in terms of being able to find things where farmers are doing things really well and really start to showcase that and then think about actually what can you then change and, and what that's going to do over time. And I think the real sort of enlightenment and the 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 engagement comes when you start to show them those scenario planning over time so actually this is where we are now this is potentially where you were 5 years ago so showing the change to get to now and then actually what you know how what are you thinking about changing and how can this be used as a tool to model it and as i say there are all of the calculators now have what if scenario planning tools built within them so this is very much the number Is the start of the process, it's not the end. And on what we've had in the past, especially when this has been sort of forced down us through supply chains, is that all of those supply chains are interested in is that number because they want that number to go into their corporate reporting. But for us on farm, as I say, that number is the start of the process, not the end. So it's what does it tell us? How can we use this information and how can we continue to monitor it moving forward? And I've I've been on a farm this this afternoon, and they again have just been through this for the third time. And they said, actually. This is the really exciting bit now because we can see how things have changed and we can see, well, actually, how much of that is because we had a horrendously wet time and so we had Mm -hmm. to do extra cultivation. How much of this is actually because we've, you know, done these really exciting things that are starting to show. And that's where they all become sad like me and get really overexcited (laughs) about it because they can start, they can start to see the impact. And actually, alongside that, put that against farm performance and you know all the other things that that potentially we've measured in the past.
0: Excellent. So. We have run out of time for today, pretty much. So I'm after your top tips, whether somebody has been just beginning or been measuring carbon for a while in thinking about monitoring carbon performance on farm. What's what are Becky's top tips, takeaway tips?
1: OK, so I mean, top tip number one is just have a go. So just do something. It can be a little bit scary. It can be a little bit overwhelming, as I said earlier. Focus on those heavy hitters. Don't worry about the things that have thousands of things to enter. Just focus on those heavy hitters and just put something in. Even if you don't get to the end of it, just just put something in and get going with it. Second one, absolutely, if we want to look at what's going on in terms of um, the sequestration side, start to baseline what's going on in terms of soils because that will start to give you information moving forward to be able to look at that. Third thing is, in terms of then doing something different, Focus on those things which actually make sense to you from a business perspective. So think about those sort of no cost, low cost things that are actually going to save you money. There's a really good relationship between managing your and reducing your carbon footprint and also reducing your cost of production. So anything that's expensive that's coming onto the farm, those are the ones to focus on first, be it fuel, be it fertiliser, be it feed, because that's where you can sort of really link together those economic benefits and also those reductions benefits. And also just, just, just get involved. You know, the number one tip is just to get involved in some respects. So just start to monitor things. If you don't want to actually put your cal- your data into a calculator, just start to collect that data in a format that, you know, you can then do so in the future. And those, re- as I say, those really important bits around those key inputs that are coming onto the farm, because the more informed we are, the better we can start to then align all of these things together and generate profitable, resilient, sustainable businesses moving forward.
0: Thank you very much. No problem.